Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Hello and good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. My name is Dr. Lulu, the momatrician. How are y'all doing? Today, I have another, I almost want to say exciting guest because her story is so moving in an exciting way, okay? If that even makes sense. But she and I have a few things in common. I'm going to let her get into more details about that. However, I wanted to mention her name is Seema Giri. She's multifaceted, which is the kind of people that I like, you know. She's a founding member of Crack the Wellness Code in a place called Dublin, California. I didn't even know there was such a place. But she was one of the founding members. She's going to tell us a little bit about that. She has had four attempts total of suicide, two as a child and two as an adult. So when I say her story is going to be full of nuggets, it is going to be full of nuggets. Unfortunately for her, or fortunately for us, she has been plagued in the past with multiple illnesses. And as a foreigner coming to America, she was faced with, yes, bullying and ostracization and all the things that us foreigners with a different accent go through, or just a different skin color, different color hair, whatever. All those things that we go through, she went through. To say that she had a stressful childhood was putting it will be putting it mildly. She and I share fibromyalgia, something that I find hard to explain, even to my spouse, the fact that my body hurts all the time. She looks at me like, well, you're active in sports, you're talkative, you're full of energy. Yeah, I can't explain it. But my body hurts all the time, and trust me, I'm not making it up, right? She's doing better now, and thank God for that. And actually, there's a spin to this because she also has a daughter who by the grace of God, is going to be a guest in the future because she also has a story to tell. Other than that, fast forward to today, she's done very well for herself. She's an award-winning author. We share the author part in common, but I'm not an award-winning author. Maybe in my life, I mean, in my mind, I am. She's also now a transformational coach. And it's amazing how when you go through all these really dark places, you come out victorious, and then you're able to help other people. She's also an international speaker. She has so many levels. And so without further ado, let us meet her in person, Miss Seema Giri. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being here. Yay! <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lulu. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on today. You're very welcome. And I know we spoke 
mas mas temprano. Is that it? Much much earlier. Is that it in Spanish? And um, we had kind of bonded already on on other levels. But I'm really excited that today we finally get to sit down and talk. So, where would you like to begin? The floor, the stage, the mic is yours. Oh wow! Thank you. Uh, like you said, Dr. Lulu, it certainly is a journey and a long, difficult journey, but. At the end, I'm really excited to say that I've survived and now I'm thriving. And that's a message I want to get to to your listeners is that when you're going through the dark time, it just seems like there's no way out and there's no future. But if you stick through it and get through, I believe it's our higher power or God, if you believe in in um, God, that it's his way of polishing us for what we're meant to be. Um, like you said, I was an immigrant. I, I came to the U.S. when I was about seven years old. And not only did I know my language, but I had lived in Germany three years prior to that. I was speaking fluent German. So that kind of threw people off too. And was, you know, I had the same immigrant story of trying to adjust and learn and be accepted. This was back in the 70s, so it wasn't as open as it is now. Um, this was in the East Coast. So, you know, the struggles of an immigrant family um, and not being accepted and having illnesses, um, thought, I thought that, you know, if I was not around, it would make so much life easier, not only for me, but also for my parents. I have one less worry. Yes, I totally agree with you. When I was suicidal in my days, and every now and again, I, I almost like, hmm, I don't know, you know? But that was the one thing. I was like, if I just vanish, if I'm just not here, they don't have to deal with me and my drama and all my failure and all my, you know, extra dose of not goodness that I bring to the table. So yes, absolutely. I completely agree with you. That is true. Yes. And then um, as I grew up, I became a young adult, I started having this constant chronic pain and doctors could not figure out what I had. Um, and as you said, I was finally diagnosed after six very long years with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, and hypothyroid. And all of these are considered uh, autoimmune disease. And this is a kind of disease where you look perfectly healthy from the outside while a tsunami is going on on the inside. I love that. I'm writing that down. I love <laughs> that. That is so, wow. Thank you. So at that point, when 11 of my doctors called me a hypochondriac, I really thought there was something wrong with me. I thought maybe it is in my head. And at that point, I was newly married. I had a great job. We had great friends. We were partying all the time. So I didn't really have a reason to be, you know, depressed or, or have that kind of a, of a pain. Um, so that was when the pain wasn't bearable. My doctors didn't believe me. My parents didn't believe me. My husband didn't believe me. I was like, you know, what is the point? I'm such a loser. No, no one, I can't, I can't even get anyone to believe me. That's how bad I am. So what is the point? I'm in so much pain. No medication is working. It was interesting that although they said I was a hypochondriac, they kept giving me medication to try to see if this works and that works. So, 
that didn't make any sense to me, but I was so desperate that I was taking those medications and it has so many side effects. As so a doctor, I, I can definitely, I can definitely agree with you that it doesn't make any sense that you are a hypochondriac, which means there's nothing wrong with you. But here, take this, this, and that, and yes. then feel better from nothing wrong with you. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I hear how that can be, that can mess your brain up even more because you're like, wait, what? <laughs> right, right. It was such a confusing state, and. You know, scientifically, they do these test results and everything's coming out normal. And those were things coming out of my body, right? So it was just so confusing. And I was like, you know what? The pain is so unbearable. I can't do anything. I couldn't drive. I couldn't work. I was beginning to feel like a burden. And I could see in certain respects on, on my family's faces as well. Because, you know, we were young and, and this kind of issue. So that's during that period, that's when I attempted twice again. It's like, okay, let's just get this over with. Let's just save everyone. There's so much money being spent, so much time and energy. And time is one thing that you can't really get back, right? No, (laughs) ma'am. So all of these attempts failed. And I was like, wow, am I that stupid that I can't even die? I can't even do that right. You are the third guest that has said the exact same words verbatim. I can't even kill myself. You're the third guest. Can you imagine how many people needed to hear that? Yes. Wow. So I guess at this point, I'm not sure if you know how deep you want to go. For me as a pediatrician, I would, and of course as a mom, but more so as a pediatrician, Can you give us a little bit more detail of your childhood attempts? Can you go that far? Do you want to? Yeah, sure. So, you know, when I was a kid, I had um, epilepsy. So I was on Zorontin. And then I would also have a lot of where I would just blank out. And I I wouldn't hear or see anything that people were saying around me. Um, So I was on Zorontin and phenobarbital. I was... I would, I would not want to go to school because I was getting teased a lot for, um, you know, the, I was the only Indian at that time in, in school, right? So this, and it was really toughest in, um, when we were in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and one day, actually, I was walking home from school and I took off my jacket. There was a girl next to me. Um, she was African-American and she at that point, at that same time, decided to step off the curb. Her sister saw and thought I pushed her. So um, I was bullied for a very long time. And not only that, but they, they ganged up on me and beat me up so badly that I was laying on the sidewalk. I couldn't get home. I couldn't get up. I was bleeding. Wow. And someone, I don't know if it was one of their parents or someone they saw and picked me up and brought me home. And we tried to find out who they were and if the school would take any action. They wouldn't take any action. Um, Nobody would do anything. I was so afraid to go back to school because, you know, they they would wait around the corners and know where I was, which direction I was coming from. So it became really scary. Yes. So since I had this medication and then having having these kind of incidents didn't really help with my um, illnesses as well. It just... Um, brought it on. So then I would have these episodes. 
So at school at any time, it would just happen any time. I tried to overdose on those medications. Mm. And, you know, families really, my parents were like, you need to get an education, you have to go to school. So getting that pressure from home, and the only way you can do that is go to school. And them not really fully understanding that experience. Um, and even you didn't even fully understand it. I mean, let's face it. Yes, even yes. you didn't fully understand why are they picking on me? What have yes. I done? What, what is wrong with me? And then enter self-hatred, self-loathing. And, and at that time, my teacher was not very nice either. The teachers um, are not nice even now. Teachers but, just don't understand. Yeah. Not all of them, please. I don't want a teacher thinking, your teacher and then my son's teacher. So that's two teachers that I can speak about. That right. just don't right. get it. She exactly pushed me against the wall and pinned me and yelling at me. So these kind of incidents will happen quite a bit with me. And then not being able to fully express at home. And then having a really lonely time, you know, because I wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't have anyone to play with. It was just me all the time by myself. Were you an only child, if you don't mind my asking? No, I had a younger brother at that time. Oh, you were the oldest, though. I was the oldest. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a tough place to be. That's a tough place to be. Yeah, yeah. So high expectations from parents' side and then these things happening at school. Um, So every time we moved, my father would get new jobs and move up the ladder. Um, I thought, you know, things would get better. You know, new school, new people, new everything, no history of any kind. But then those kind of things got repeated until I think high school got a little bit better, where I was, I guess I just became more, resilient and was involved in a little more things. There were a lot more um, diversity by that time. Yeah. Wow. That is tough. What did your, okay. So did you ever tell your parents at all that you were being bullied specifically? There you came home covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. They knew. They knew. Um, I mean, the first time when I came like that, I mean, that was the only time I came home like that. They were, That was enough. They were shocked. They were scared. Um, And I think that's why my father um, moved on to Massachusetts um, fairly quickly within nine months. Um, So, you know, they did what they could. Yes. um, You know, you know how they say now that since we've learned so much more that if you really want to see things from a child's eye and understand from them, you really should get down on your knees so you can see from that level. That is a true statement. Well, they they didn't think of doing that or they couldn't really fully understand it because they were so busy trying to provide and make their own marks. I'm sure they were having the adult version of the same thing I was I having. I was just going to say that. Maybe even language barrier, cultural barrier, cultural shock. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Wow. That Talk about vicious cycle. Yes. Poor dear. So fast forward high school. How did you... How did you overcome it? Was it sports? Was it book smart? Was it, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was you book smart. Gang? I had one of my guests. She joined the gang. <laughs> she joined the gang. <laughs> well, I guess you could say I joined the gang. But oh, a, wow. I was just. <laughs> a softer version of the gang. It was okay. called orchestra. <laughs> it was called what? Orchestra. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. My kids, <laughs> my kids were in orchestra. <laughs> I'm going to tell them about that. <laughs> They're going to get a so, good one. At that time, I didn't appreciate it, but my dad forced me to learn the violin. And because of the violin, we were in orchestra. I was in orchestra. So I was able to have a, 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 a bonding music. Mm-hmm. music through concerts and rehearsals and all of that. So I did fairly well um, at that point, and that stayed till college with me. So most of my friends started coming from, um, from that area. That's from wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm definitely a big proponent for finding your passion, finding a gift, a talent, and, and exploring. My three boys play. Two play instruments, one plays sports. So I, I just, I use the word play. But each one of them is just passionate about the instruments. Between the two boys that play instruments, we've got 10 instruments between the two of them or more, I think. Oh, wow. One seven, one plays okay. six. So that's a lot. They, they do, they're, they're fierce. And then the one that plays ball plays every kind of ball. Mm-hmm. Because I was like that. I was multi-talented. I would do sports and I would do music and I would do dance and I would do, I did all. And then they grandfathers on both sides also, you know. So, I mean, I just, I just gave them just here, pick mm-hmm. the one you like and go with it. And so, and, and I, just, I, just, I just didn't look back. So absolutely, I'm, I'm yeah. in support of that. That's amazing. Congratulations. You music still- really healing, and I didn't realize at that point how much. And then um, having a bond and bonding with others and having a group like that was also very, is also very important. I don't yes. see, we don't see that as much today because of social media and technology, but it's really, really important even today. I, I agree with you, and I, maybe I might be in minority here, but my two older, 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 older children, as they were, yeah, my two older children, both are in college and both are still, you know, one is a music major, the other one is a minor in jazz because mm-hmm. they still take their music, yeah. So when they get home, they have their little ensembles, they still get together and do a jam session. I love it when they call that jam. Mom, we're just going to have a jam session, and I love that. Mm-hmm. And I let them do it because their bonds are formed middle school and high school and it's amazing and they have something called yosa here it's an antonio mm-hmm. youth orchestra of san antonio and mm-hmm. they, they joined they like they joined when they were in middle school and they've continued and even and again they have an alumni get together and they, they have jam sessions and then we go and we listen and it's good it's good i try mm-hmm. to keep them you know active in that mm-hmm. i mean so over the time and do you want to talk a little bit about the adults suicide attempts do you want to touch those yeah, sure. I mean, that was, um, as I mentioned earlier, because no one would believe me, especially family members and the doctors. Um, you know, as you know, you're in constant pain. You can't do You, I couldn't even sleep. I would go for weeks without sleeping. Oh, my God. Um, so, you know, those things, they just do something to you, right? You yeah. can't sleep. You can't talk about it with anyone because you're supposed to have it all together. Yes. Like you have it all together. So you're supposed to perceive that to it, right? And then even your friends don't believe you because you look fine. Yeah. They so I actually had a lot of friends drop out because people get tired of being um, people who are sick a lot yes. continuously. And there's no, um, there's no end to it. There's no solution to it, 
right? I wouldn't always complain, but then I wouldn't be able to do things. I, was, I wasn't able to plan my days because I wouldn't know what, how I would feel two days from now. Mm-hmm. And so I would have to cancel things at the last minute. No mm-hmm. one likes that kind of a friend. Mm-hmm. And so you were just, you were, you excelled in putting on the perfectly fitting mask, didn't you? Yes, yes. Until a certain point, right? When you can't go, go to places. So my life became very isolated and confined. Hmm. Um, you met your husband somehow. So you must have... So I met him at the right time when all these symptoms were not around. I met him in uh, 1990. And then in, in, I went to India for a summer vacation. <laughs> That's when I met him. And then in 92, um, we, we got married. So up to that point, everything was fine. It was in 94 when all of these symptoms just started to come up all of a sudden. And then I went to several doctors. They couldn't identify. And then I persisted going to doctors. Um, then 11 said, you're hypochondriac. And then, but I knew you have to listen to your inner voice. Hmm. You really need to, it, even when everyone's against you, mm-hmm. because my inner voice kept saying, Seema, you're not wrong. There's something seriously wrong. It's not yeah. in your head. There's something seriously wrong. So I followed that little ray of light, which was very, very dim. Right? Yes. I was trying to extinguish it, but it, it wouldn't allow itself. Oh, wow. So I persisted and I went to my 12th doctor. Wow. Not only was he really handsome, Dr. Lou, he he believed me and i almost want to say and then i married him (laughs) wow i was already married he was already married but um he was he believed me and i just broke down and cried i want you to say that loud for the doctors at the back listen to your patients listen to your your patients and every now and again i like to come in as a clean slate i have a patient coming to see me and there's some other things that the mom has heard from everyone else. And I said, no, just come, let me see, and let's start from a clean slate. Because yeah. obviously everything you've been doing hasn't been working, right? So let's yeah. try something else. But it's important that they listen to their patients. So yeah. at any point in time, did you have to get therapy? I did. I did. Finally, when um, he got me on track and I started, when he said he believed me, and I knew that I was fine. I got the support of everyone else. And then I did start therapy. I did have various therapies, went to different therapists, um, found out what really worked for me. And then, um, you know, I got myself to a level where I was able to run a business with my husband for 18 years. We ran a project management consulting business internationally. Wow. And we traveled the world to have kids and they traveled the world. And, um, <clears throat> Um, and then I decided that I didn't want to be on 25 medications and I didn't, um, want to live this way. So I found other ways. I found healthy alternatives and and I was able to get off the 25 medications down to one. Wow. You know, I want to hear about that. You know, and I know the listeners want to hear That's amazing. Wow. We still have time. Yeah, it took. So, hey, you know, it took me about 10 years to figure out the system, but basically what I did was integrate nutrition, exercise, mindset, and spirituality. Um, and that's what I teach my clients now. It's the integration of all four. And 
and you identify what were some root causes, 90% of this is because of emotional suppression, where we are not allowed to fully express ourselves and acknowledge it and understand it. So then it gets buried in your cells, as you very well know, and then it starts manifesting into physical forms. Physical, when it manifests in physical disease, that means your body is screaming now. Our body gives us subtle messages, but we're so busy, we don't have time to listen to I it. So we just. It. I love what you're saying, girl. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Most of it is emotional suppression. And mm-hmm. when it starts manifesting as a physical ailment, at that point, your body is screaming. But before mm-hmm. that, it was giving you... so. Can you write a book about that? I love it. I love it. Thank you. Yes. Actually, it is in my book, The Authority. Okay. (laughs) Well, we're getting there. We're going to get there. Awesome. So you want to tell us about the book? I mean, it's a nice natural segue for the book now. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. So in 2018, I mean, this is what happens when you just follow your passion and your inner guidance. And so in 2018, I had the wonderful opportunity of co-authoring with three of the New York Times bestselling author, Dr. John Gray from Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus series. Nice. And uh, Marcy Shymoff. She's um, written Happiness for No Reason. And Raymond Aaron, who wrote Don't, uh, Doubling Your Income, Doing What You Love. Mm. Um, so I wrote about my um, recovery from autoimmune fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis, Hmm. Uh, break free from your pain cycle, conquering autoimmune disease, winning the battle. That's a long name. Yeah. (laughs) Can you say it slowly? (laughs) Well, it's in the book called The Authorities. That's where you would find it. Okay. Okay. The Authorities, it's on Amazon. Okay. Okay. So the book is called The Authorities. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And it's on Amazon. Yes. Very good. Very good. And so how are you doing today? Sounds like you've had a journey. Yes. Oh my gosh. Did I ever. But I'm so excited that uh, now I know why I wasn't successful. And I'm so happy I wasn't successful at my suicide attempts because now I'm helping others break right. and help them stand in their power. That's right. So, and I do that through my, eyes. I speak around the world, share my stories to give them hope and inspiration and hang in there. And then um, through, through my book, and then I'm also helping people getting their messages out. I'm leading an anthology called Break Free to Stand in Your Power. And people are sharing their stories of triumph and how they're thriving now. To you help. told me about that. You told me yeah. about that. Oh, girl. Yeah. My bad. Oh, I might, I might not. I don't, girl. All mine is broke, broke, broke. Uh, but yeah, great idea though. Great idea. Maybe you have book two. Maybe I'll be in book two. Yes. No, I'm going to be doing this for some for yes. some time now because people are so excited because you know it's hard to write a whole complete book. So in an anthology, you can write one chapter and get started that way. So I'm handing all the publishing in for people. All they have to do is focus on writing their chapter. So it's a whole, it's one book with multiple chapters. Multiple authors, yeah. Each chapter is a different author. Yes. Okay, I get it. Okay, that's good. Well, I might be on book two, girl. 
put me down for book two, okay? <laughs> We're going to get there. Wow. So where can, um, well, actually, before we do that, <clears throat> do you have a favorite quote? Do you have a favorite, um, do you have some words of encouragement, which I think you've kind of woven them, you know, up, up kind of along with the, with the interview so far. But do you have a favorite quote? My favorite quote, well, I have a couple. So this one is, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one single step. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and that's by uh, Lao Tzu. So my message in that is don't worry about six months, three months, a year down the road. Take, I took baby steps to get where I am. You do progress even with baby steps. So take baby steps. Even if you take two steps forward and one step backwards, you're still moving forward. You're still moving forward. It may not be as fast as two steps, as three steps forward, but you're moving forward. And to me, right. as much as, you know, most people look at that phrase as a negative, but you are still moving forward. You're He's still moving forward. The most dangerous thing you can do is to feel so sorry for yourself that you're stuck in the, that space. Inertia. That yeah. is true. You can't why everything. You can't, even a suicide attempt takes action, right? But don't go, go towards the light because no matter how bad it is at that moment, suicide is not the answer. That is so true. And that's one of the, the things I, I, I hope people will, will take out of the podcast that I don't want, because I'm talking about suicide, to have a dreary, uninteresting podcast. I want people to actually come and feel inspired by the stories. And that's why I try to interject humor. And we're talking about life. You know, even the saddest person has a happy moment. So I want to also feature those. So you know yes. that, you know, that too shall pass. I know it's hard. It's hard. I, I barely got over my suicidal when I was suicidal. It was the hardest thing I did, but I did. I did. Oh my God, I did. It wasn't easy, but I did. And I'm standing. And so are you. And so are many other people. And that's why we must forge ahead. We must speak with one voice so they know and hear us that indeed there is light. It may be like you did, a tiny ray, but it's a ray. We'll take that one ray. You know, yes. one candle and then more candles. And then we have a big, giant torch. But we had to start with one candle, one ray of light. So I totally agree with that. So what's the second quote? The second quote is by Dennis Waitley. He's a motivational speaker, and he says that there are two primary choices in life to, to accept conditions as they exist or accept the responsibility for changing them. So many times we wait for other people to get us out of our state, right? It's not anyone else's responsibility except your own to get yourself out of there. So when I realized that and I started taking actions, you can get help. There's a difference between asking for help and expecting someone else to do it for you. And I noticed that when you start making, taking actions for, for the better and for improvement, there will be people coming in your path to help you. And that's what's happened with me. I love it. I absolutely love it. I was trying to scribble it down if I forgot, but the first one was awesome. Everyone knows that one. This mm -hmm. second one is new to me. I don't know, Mr. Den Dennis 
Waitley. Waitley, I don't know him from Adam, but I certainly like two primary choices. One is to accept, I guess, life as it exists, and then the other one is to take responsibility to change it. Or I live yeah. not as many words, but I love it. Very, yeah. very, and it's just basically saying the same thing that, you know, and I know sometimes you're so down and so it's such a deep place, so dark, and you just feel like, oh, I can never come out of it. But if you just take one, one step to change something, just one thing. I know this morning I read something, someone sent something on Facebook and sent it to me and said, today, just, just do not have one single negative thought today just one just just none i rather just mm-hmm. today. and then tomorrow continue but first let's do today and so i said to myself self today we're not going to have any negative thought and i have remembered it about five times today already so i'm trying to check myself you know yeah that because we really get into that tendency to start saying, oh, well, it's negative, this, negative, that. And usually when it's negative, we're talking down on ourselves. We're mm-hmm. saying things to ourselves that we wouldn't even say to our enemy and we're saying it to ourselves, you know? And right. And that just is a matter of practice. So I've done that so many times that now I hardly have that. But I think I would like to give one uh, more tool, which is called reframing. It's, it's hard to stop the negative thought coming in your head. But if you acknowledge it, like, oh, hello there, negative thought. It's nice <laughs> to see you again. I like and it. And you frame it to something positive. So if it says, you know, you're not good enough, and then you say, well, what if I am good enough? Wow. That is good. That is very, very good. I love it. So my wife needs to hear that. My wife needs to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I would ask you to say it loud for her at the back, but I have my headphones on, so she won't hear. <laughs> but refrain, reframe, reframe. Yes. Thoughts. So when the thoughts say to you, you're not enough, you say, hmm, hi there, negative thoughts. What if I am? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I love yes. it. Yes. I love it. Because um, it's a lot of energy trying to stop the negative thoughts from coming. Mm-hmm. Let it flow. And then eventually, it's going to go away. Awesome. But you have to face it, though. You yeah. have to face it, not run away from it. Exactly. For a very real child that's trying to run away from their shadow, where, where are you going to go? It's right there with you. Exactly. I guess, put it nice. She moved from Scotland to Australia, and she said, I was so surprised when I got to Australia, and all my woes were at the customs with me. I was like, that was so funny. She said, they came with me to the customs. I say yes. yes, they don't go anywhere. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and on that note, I think maybe this is a good place to stop. I do want to hear more about your wellness, um, that movement, the crack, the wellness code. In We haven't even talked about that, but I would love for you to please come back. I, I would love to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to learn more about that. And I also want to learn about nutrition, exercise, mindset and spirituality i know that's the combo that worked for you i know it's easier said than done but absolutely i would like the guests to know a little bit more about that and not not all but some so listeners y'all i told you this was going to be a fun interview i just had a feeling about it this is a woman that literally has gone from grass to the highest level of grace, especially because she has turned all her woes, all her pains into helping others, helping others 
Indeed, that's what the Facebook guy said. Stop by trying to help others and the money will come. The money will come. So thank you so much, Seema. Thank you. I, I usually take some time to kind of go over it, but I did, I think I did a good job at the beginning. I'm going to mention your favorite quote, which I like. For me today was most of it is emotional suppression. And by this time, your body is screaming by the time you start having physical symptoms. Amazing. You were beaten up to the point that you had blood coming out and somebody's child continued to beat you up. That's terrible. And of course, like you said, you look perfectly normal on the outside while a tsunami is going on on the inside. That was amazing. Thank you so much. I love the title of the book. I love it. I love it. Y'all go get it. It's called the, the authority. Yeah. Yes. The authority with authorities with an S. Authorities. Yeah. Okay. Yes. With an I. So the authorities with an I E S it's on Amazon. Y'all go get it and support this woman who is doing things bigly. And we need to talk about your daughter next time because I want her to be a guest. Mm. I'm begging, I'm pleading, I'm asking nicely. And um, it's a matter of practice. I got that one. Practice, 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 whatever it is, whatever good thing you want to do, just keep on practicing and eventually you're going to get there. Thank you so much, Seema. It's been amazing. Can you believe it's been 45 minutes? (laughs) You didn't think you were going to make it to 30, but look, we're 45 minutes and we're going strong. Did you have any final words? Anything else? I don't want to use the word final. Any parting words? I would like to say that you are here. Everyone is here for a purpose, for a reason. You have a gift for the world. And those of us who get a little bit more um, pressure is because we have so much more value to bring up because, you know, you're just being polished. The hard times that we go through, you're really being polished. And those who get extra polished and extra pressure are the ones who are who have that extra beautiful gift. They're going to shine bright. Shine your light on everyone. Oh, wow. That's amazing. What's good? I can't even... So basically, all the hard times you're going through, you're being polished. So shine bright. Amazing. Thank you so much. That is the best place to end today. So y'all truly, Dr. Lulu, coming at y'all with suicide pages. We just heard Miss C. Magiri write page one of many pages I'm hoping to come. Thank you so much, beautiful Seema. This was amazing. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story of hardship and of course, victory. And thank you for not being successful those four times because I wouldn't have had you to talk to today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, ma'am. All right, folks. This is Dr. Lulu, the momatrician. <sighs> Just a big thank you to Seema. It was an amazing interview. She really dug deep. And I know there's more lay- there are more layers, but we're going to get to them with time. I don't plan on ending my podcast anytime soon. So We're going to see her multiple times. She's also a coach. So every time I'm feeling down, maybe I'm just going to give her a call and get a little, you know, life lesson or something and stop feeling sorry for myself. And on that note, we're going to end today. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much. Please ensure that you're downloading, you're leaving a comment, you're subscribing and you're sharing so that, you know, you don't want to keep all this good stuff to yourself now, do you? (laughs) All right. Thank you. See y'all later. Ciao.